0: this is episode 36 with orthopedic surgeon the previous director of sports medicine at the medical university of south carolina and author of the new book that's gotta hurt the injuries that change sports forever dr david Hey heyo welcome back everyone It's Jason, and we're here again with another podcast. But before we dive into today's show, I do want to give a special thanks to all of our listeners who made episode 25 with Tony Gentlecore on Why Runners Need to Lift, our most popular podcast to date. Thank you so much, Tony is a real pro and uh, someone who really understands the value of functional lifting, especially for runners. If you haven't already, give that episode a listen and I think you'll start to realize why I don't even consider strength training to be cross-training. It's just part of the normal training that runners need to do. Okay, let's start today's episode. I'm speaking with Dr. David Geyer. He's an orthopedic surgeon and an author who helps athletes at every level, and in every sport better manage their injuries. He has a site at drdavidgeyer.com, and with a tagline like sports medicine simplified, I knew I had someone who I needed to speak with. He has a new book out called That's Gotta Hurt, The Injuries That Change Sports Forever, and it's a fascinating look at how sports medicine has actually changed the sports that we all love. But this episode is a little different. We're talking about injury risks and considerations for younger runners those who are in middle school or high school or even younger now many of you know that I have two daughters they're four and two and you know besides attempting some of the exercises from the stand-up warm-up with dad or racing each other down the sidewalk they don't know anything about training or exercise or any of the lovely topics that we geek out on on this podcast nor should they but there is something that I know I want to instill in them a love for sport, whatever that that might be. That might be, you know, running or tennis or lacrosse. And with my conversation with David today, we're diving into the nuances of exercising for children and the elements of injury prevention that are specific to them. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. David Geyer. Hey, David, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I'm great. Uh, I'm excited about this because I I think as many of my listeners know, I'm so bullish on injury prevention. I think if you stay healthy and you'll be able to run more, you'll be able to train more consistently, you'll be able to stay more mentally engaged with your running, and all those things lead to faster runners. Uh, And you are an injury prevention pro. You're an orthopedic surgeon. You spent eight years as director of sports medicine at the Medical University of South Carolina. And you're author of a new book called That's Gotta Hurt the sports injuries that changed sports forever. So I think this is going to be quite interesting. Thanks for taking some time to speak with us today. No,
1: I appreciate you having me. Uh, No, I love talking about this stuff. I love uh, sharing information that helps people stay healthy and and more importantly, gets people to do what they want to do even better. So I think this will be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and you as an orthopedic surgeon spend a lot of time with athletes that are not runners, you know, runners who, um, you know, play soccer, play basketball, play football. And I'd like to start by talking about some of the differences between the injuries that we might label running injuries and injuries commonly sustained in sports like football or soccer. Uh, So in your view, what distinguishes these two types of injuries?
1: Well, I mean, I think the first kind of big category when you look at the distinctions is that runners typically get overuse injuries. It's certainly possible to step awkwardly and and suffer a traumatic injury. I mean, I broke my ankle in a uh, running injury, stepping awkwardly off the curb. So it, it can happen. But most runners get injuries from wear and tear over time. Football or, you know, other contact and collision sports do have some overuse injuries, but much more often you're going to have contact injuries that lead to, you know, ligament injuries, broken bones, that type of thing. So it's almost a different category of, of injuries when you're looking at the sports where there's collisions involved.
0: Right. And, you know, when I look at those kinds of injuries and then I look at running injuries, you know, those sports have a lot of direction changes. You're going side to side, you're going forward, and then you stop on a dime, turn around, and you're running in a whole different direction. Are there another class of injuries that are more common among those athletes that do those types of really fast powerful direction changes because you know as runners we don't really do that you know the the worst thing that we have is like a 180 degree turn in a race and that i know for me at least that slows me down so much so i'm not taking those turns quite as quickly
1: no i mean you're absolutely right running is is fortunately a a very straight ahead motion you may have you know going uphill or going downhill, but you're right, you rarely change direction, and if you do, it's very gradual. Whereas a sport like soccer or football or basketball, you may have to change direction on a dime or have to land and change direction. So, knee injuries very common things like ACL injuries and MCL injuries, and meniscus tears, uh, patella dislocations those can all happen with those type of mechanisms. You can have ankle injuries as well. So, anytime there's a lot of force and a sudden direction change, you're, you're likely to get a lot of these lower body injuries. And, and that's what we have to really watch out for.
0: Right. And the aspect of injury prevention that we're focusing on more specifically today is on younger runners. Uh, you know, those maybe in high school or, or even younger than that. Uh, so I'm wondering, do these runners need to worry more or less about injuries?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I guess it's just, I usually say it's something to sort of be aware of, you know, I, I don't know. I never want people necessarily to like be paranoid, you know, that if I do this, I'm going to have this type of problem. I think it's something to always be aware of, but, you know, still train, uh, as you normally would still try to, uh, you know, do everything you can to, to perform at your best and not, not necessarily have uh, injuries in the back of your mind. But yeah, I suppose that is something that you're just aware of.
0: Because I remember, you know, looking back on my high school career, I don't think I had any major injuries. And I never even thought about injuries. And then of course, you know, I didn't really do the best training that I could be doing I did virtually no strength work Uh, my volume was not high enough to really support all of the intensity that we did so it was a relatively low volume high intensity training program when I was in high school and nevertheless I never really got hurt Uh, so for me when I look back on this you know yeah I had some shin splints now and then Um, I don't really consider that you know a serious running injury it's more of a nuisance and You know, I look back on this kind of with this, I'm I'm incredulous. Why was I able to train in this subpar way in high school and get away with it? Was it simply because I was, you know, 15 to 18 years old and, you know, I had sky high levels of testosterone and hormones that allowed me to both perform really well and recover so quickly? Or is there something else going on there?
1: Yeah, no, I think that those are always kind of fascinating questions i mean was it like you say just pure luck you know that you should have gotten injured and you didn't was it something about your age that makes you more resilient to injuries at that age that Maybe when you're 25 or 30, you don't have that. I, I think it, it's one of those challenges. We see that in baseball sometimes. These these parents that say, "Well, the Dominican kids pitch year round and throw, you know, 3,000 pitches a day, and they they don't have a problem." And and you know, it's only because partially we don't hear about the kids that get hurt. But two, I mean, some people can defy the odds, and so. You know, I just look at it as, hey, you know, if you can avoid injury, that's terrific. If there's steps you can take that lower your risk, that's even better.
0: Wow, you kind of just threw me off there because now I want to talk about some of those steps. Uh, What are some of the steps that younger athletes can take to reduce their risk of injury? Is it, and, And I guess I'm asking this because I'm curious if there's a difference between younger runners and older runners? Are, should we be doing different things if we're younger or if we have children that are, say, in high school or um, middle school and they're are running for a team and they're competing? Should we be focusing on on different ways to stay healthy or are these timeless principles that don't really discriminate based on age?
1: Well, I mean, I think that there's some of both, honestly. I mean, I do think uh, with age, you you kind of over or you deal with some things that maybe you don't as a kid your your body becomes less flexible you take longer to recover from training runs than maybe you did when you were younger so I do think there are some age uh, differences I think too there's a lot of physical demand differences I mean what is expected of a 14 year old cross-country runner uh, especially one competing for a state championship might be very different than an adult that's doing it more for fun and yeah they want to set a, a personal record but maybe they're not pushing themselves quite as hard. So yeah, I mean I think there's generally, hey, I want to be healthy as a runner. I'm going to do X Y and Z steps, but then I think a lot of it is related to hey, what am I trying to achieve and what demands am I putting on my body to achieve those uh goals.
0: Yeah, it seems like the more demands that you place upon yourself, then the more seriously you have to take the concept of injury prevention, you know, the more work you have to do outside of running to stay healthy. So the strength work, the foam rolling, the, the lifestyle principles, you know, getting your good sleep, getting, uh, you know, staying hydrated and eating really well. Um, now at this age, what are some of, you know, the most common injuries that you see among, say, middle school, high school runners? Are, are some injuries more common than others at this age?
1: Yeah, I mean I think that uh, anytime you look at, at younger athletes, and I want to say kids, but everybody sort of has a different definition of kids. But when you look at, at kids in my mind that aren't done growing, they haven't gone through their growth spurt, uh, they may have a different set of injuries than even the high school and college kids. You know, structures tend to tend to fail at the point of least resistance. And an adult that's most always ligaments and tendons. Uh, we have fairly strong bones, but in kids that are, are not haven't gone through their growth spurt, and we're talking about now really young runners from 6, 7 years old up to maybe 14, 15, um, they may have you know not have the muscle strength, and so more of the stress is going to their bones and the growth plates, and so I think when you're looking at really young ages, you do worry about uh, stress injuries to the growth plates around the ankle and, and and uh, around the knee and maybe of the foot, I think as you get older, you're still looking at overuse type things and maybe still looking at bony things. But that's where you start to introduce tendon issues, muscular issues, things like that. So your Achilles and calf strains and your hamstring strains and IT band issues and shin splints. All of a sudden that starts to become more of an issue when you get into your you know, adolescence, the high school kids, maybe early college age.
0: Now, you mentioned something interesting. You said that, you know, a lot of these younger runners, since, you know, they haven't gone through their growth spurt, you know, they haven't completed puberty, their muscles are not nearly as strong as someone who's an adult who's gone through puberty and and have all those physiological changes. Now, does that mean that lifting for younger runners is is recommended? Uh, What are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I... You know, you and I actually have talked about this uh, sort of off the air. I'm a big fan of weightlifting. I, I think generally uh, that it's a good thing. I know there's some concerns, and we can talk about that, about how kids go about uh, strength training and, and, you know, teaching proper uh, techniques and all this, but I'm a big fan of it. I don't know necessarily that I would do it necessarily to prevent injuries. I think it's good from a performance standpoint and uh, – just generally their overall health and fitness i don't know that say you know hey we're going to get them into the gym for a resistance training program has definitely shown that they're going to prevent injuries because again those open growth plates and all still present a risk uh, as i was talking about earlier but if if a mom or dad is wondering should their 12 or 13 year old start lifting weights you know i think it's at least worth having that discussion because i think there can be a lot of positives to it
0: Right. And what are some of the negatives? Are there negatives if you do it incorrectly?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key. If, if you're, you know, because as a young kid, you know, 12 years old, you're not going to get big and muscular. This is not Mr. Olympia time. You're not, your body doesn't uh, respond to, to heavy loads from lifting weights in the same way that older you know, adolescents, high school, college, and certainly adults, where we get muscle hypertrophy, the changes you're gonna see as kids are gonna be neuromuscular development, making the nerves fire, the muscle, uh, it recruits more muscle fibers as it sends the nerves down the signal. So it has a lot of positive benefits, but you're not gonna get kids really bulky. So they shouldn't be trying to lift really heavy weights and max out. I think you're focusing on things like technique and learning proper movements, and maybe designing a, a goal to work all the muscles in the body uh, as a sort of a comprehensive program. Again, not with the goal of getting big and bulky. That's just not going to happen at 12, 13 years old.
0: Right. And, and I think that's a big misconception that a lot of runners have about lifting weights, is that you know it doesn't matter if you're an adult or you're an uh, eighth grader, you're not going to put on Uh, That much weight, if any at all, if you're also running a decent amount, you know, the demands of hypertrophy require that you have a lot of excess energy available to you to build muscle. Now, if you're using that excess energy to run 30 miles a week and do a faster workout in a long run. You don't have that energy to build muscle, so I, I think that's a that's a myth that I think uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up. You know, you're not going to put on weight if you get in the weight room. Uh, and, and it sounds to me that what you're saying is essentially younger kids need to really be focusing on technique and proper form so they don't hurt themselves, and a comprehensive full body, you know, compound functional lift. Ki- kind of an approach is the most beneficial and you don't need to try to lift as much as you can you know you don't need to max out you just need to get in uh, a moderate effort in the gym you're going to get those strength gains but more importantly like you said it's those neuromuscular adaptations that you're really going after and then of course just the general athleticism and strength gains that you're going to get even if you're not lifting you know at your maximum ability
1: yeah i think that's that's exactly right i mean i think that uh even though you're not going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, in the gym at 12 and 13 years old, I do think it can be beneficial. Then, once you do go through your growth spurt, if some of those neuromuscular changes have taken place, I think you can really start to see the benefits then. But you've got to just do it safely. You know, kids need spotters, they need the correct techniques, they you know maybe adult supervision or at least you know somebody that's responsible that knows this kind of stuff. I, I think that. There's absolutely a lot of good that comes from it, but you're right, there's there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, strength training for young athletes.
0: And it almost sounds like that period of time where you're lifting and you're really focused on technique and form and you're not maxing out, it's almost like building your base the same way that you would with running. That period of time where you're lifting at more of a relatively easy moderate effort you know that's providing that foundation of strength that once you do get through puberty and you're a little bit older and you've experienced those neuromuscular adaptations then you'll have that that strength foundation to do more advanced lifting to do olympic lifts to do you know maximum you know one rep max type of lifting um is is that fair
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, everybody's a little different, but I think that's a a good kind of way to look at it. Uh, you know, um, I, I don't want to make sure that you know parents don't think that there's no value. I mean, I think you and I are both saying the same thing. There is a lot of value uh, in strength training. Uh, I just think that, again, you've got to know what your goals are. And, 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 again, I think you're setting a foundation. I think that the kids, we're just trying to, I think, really introduce them to strength training and get them stronger. And then as they get older and they start to see, you know, what they're trying to achieve athletically, you know, then they can really decide, all right, I'm really going to add a lot of strength training in or no, I'm going to focus more on this area or that area.
0: Right. That's absolutely true. And I know we're talking a lot about strength training and I'm very fond of saying no amount of strength training is going to overcome poor training habits. So I'm curious to hear (laughs) your thoughts on some of the potentially common mistakes that younger runners make with their training that hopefully are easily avoidable. And, you know, any parents listening here can help guide their kids in the right direction.
1: I see a couple things, uh, and they're all sort of related. uh, But I see this with, you know, just because the group that I see of young kids is almost always high school Uh, cross-country or track runners more than sort of recreational runners. And it it sort of manifests in two different ways, but it's the same problem. One will be the group of kids that needs to be starting to train, say, for cross-country but they didn't work that hard in the spring and the summer, and they're not really ready to go. And they realize that about halfway through the summer, and they ramp up really quickly to try to get into shape. Sometimes they don't even they run much at all, and then they just start with the team. And I'm not a big fan of suddenly ramping up your training. I think that that creates all sorts of problems i think you're better doing that over weeks and months getting your body sort of used to that added stress slowly increase so that your body can have enough time to recover so that's sort of one end of the spectrum the other end that i see a lot are the kids actively competing with all the pressure to do well from you know internally themselves their teammates their coaches their parents and so they battle pain And because they're so determined and because there's a meet in a few days and because the state meets coming up in a week or two, they push through increasing pain, pain that's coming on sooner and taking longer to go away. And now they're really struggling, but they're sort of behind the eight ball because there's no real time to rest and deal with it. So they're kind of stuck in this. Do I go through with it at 60 percent or do I push through it, you know, risking making it worse? But at least I can still potentially compete. That's the opposite end, but it's again the same problem. You're dealing with a lot of pain from really kind of ramping up what you do.
0: Right. And this reminds me of the three twos that my college coach always warned us about, and that's running too much, too soon too fast. and you know the high school athlete who finds himself at the end of July or mid-August and they haven't been running since May or June, um, they are in a position where they can try to ramp up their training very quickly, but the risk of energy uh, the risk of injury is very high. And obviously that's, you know, not the ideal situation. Uh, Both my high school and college coaches, you know, had us start in early June. But the great part of that training, that base training over the summer is that it was just very easy. So, you know, you weren't doing intense workouts. You weren't jacking up uh, the intensity factor of your training too high because almost the entire mileage that you were doing was at a very easy effort so the risk of burnout the risk of injury was a lot less now of course when we started the season there you know there was intensity that was added into uh the program but you know i saw that with my high school teammates i saw that with my college teammates and it's a really easy fix just start your training earlier and you know try to only add five to ten percent weekly mileage every one or two weeks. Uh, I think is a good guideline. Uh, now, the other side of that spectrum that you mentioned, uh, I think, is more common among more competitive runners or more Type A runners who, you know, they're they're feeling the pressure from everywhere: their coach, their teammates and they're really diving into their workouts with 100 percent intensity you know they're trying to run as as best as they can in every workout in every race and in my experience a lot of these types of runners will push their easy runs way too fast and and that's a problem that i see among not just recreational adult runners but you know i saw it firsthand as as a younger runner myself and i think just simply taking your easy runs at a truly easy effort is a really good way to help combat some of those problems.
1: Yeah, no, that's an interesting perspective. I would agree that it probably is not limited to just the high school runners. I think that, you know, it's natural to sort of push yourself, you know, it's, it's, there, it would be a rare runner that feels okay just going really slow. Uh, you know they, they want to do more. But you're right. I think you have to there's a time and a place for really aggressive, intense runs and then a time and a place for, for easy runs. And I, I agree. I think that probably does happen uh, at the high school, the really competitive runners, but you're right, it probably happens with the adults as well.
0: Let's talk about specificity. I think sports specificity is both a blessing and a curse. It's how you excel in a single sport, but it can also lead to a lot of injuries because of, um, you know, reduced strength and, and general athleticism. So in other words, your skills as an athlete are not as developed when you focus exclusively on just one sport. So... How do we reconcile this for young runners who want to run year round? You know, for me, I didn't have the option of doing any other sports because I was five foot five and one hundred and twenty pounds in high school, and you know, I had to give up basketball. Uh, even as a guard, I was simply too small to play competitively. Um, how do we how do we reconcile those two?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, there's no question that it's tricky. I mean, I think you look at some general guidelines with sport specialization because there's essentially a few risks uh, starting to specialize in one sport too early. One is injuries, either overuse injuries or overall injuries, somewhat related to doing it all year long and somewhat doing it because too many hours in any given week, um, the the toll that that takes on a young body, so injuries, but there's concerns about burnout and then the lack of some of the benefits of playing other sports, learning different different movement patterns and maybe you acquire agility in a different sport or, or balance or any number of things. So I think there's a lot of benefits to multiple sports and some risks to, to over you know, overuse injuries with the, just playing the one sport. I think I would look at two main things, and this has just really come up in the last few months, some new research. There's two issues specifically with injuries and sports specialization. One is that we know that kids that do one sport more than eight months a year have a higher risk of injuries than kids that do it less than eight months a year. It, it crosses multiple sports, throwing in upper extremity sports and running in lower extremity sports, but your injury rate goes way up. And then if your amount of participation in a sport, practice and competition combined, the number of hours you do that a week, if it exceeds the number of years old you are, your rate of injury goes up. So if you're a 12-year-old, you can only train and compete less than 12 hours a week. Uh, if you do more than that, your injury rate's going to go up. So I think those would be sort of my two guidelines. If I have a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old or even a 16-year-old runner, I kind of look at those two things uh, as ways to lower their risk of having an injury
0: those are some really great guidelines. I think the, uh, number of training hours per week based on your age, uh, is really practical and helpful. Um, and And it's easy to remember. Yeah. It's easier to remember too. It's like half the battle. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, for, for those runners who are going to do three seasons of sports, okay, they're going to do cross country, indoor track and outdoor track. So in other words, they are going to specialize. They are going to be doing specific training to their sport year round. Uh, of course, that includes the summer base training season. How can we, even for these runners who are doing specific training at a young age, how can we negate some of the drawbacks to um, this level of sports specificity?
1: Yeah, no, it, it is tricky. And and I usually at least try to have the discussion If there's one of those seasons that you really don't care that much about, you're not really doing it because you want to do it, but it's because a coach wants it or something like that, maybe you think about carving two to three months out where you can run a little bit, but it's not as part of a team. Having said that, you're right. You're going to have some that do choose to do it. I think you still have to find ways to move the stresses around to different parts of the body. So you, you have more cross training sessions that are, You know, maybe weights or swimming or bike, things like that. And you do find ways to work more rest into one of those seasons somehow. You've got to find a way to limit the repetitive stress on the feet, on the ankles, on the legs. Because, you know, with all of those sports, it's still going to those body parts. So if you can find ways to cut down even a little bit, if you can find ways to shift it to other body parts even a little bit and to give yourself a little rest, I do think that that at least helps somewhat.
0: What about the area of your approach to running mentally, your mindset? Is, is it beneficial for kids to think of their sport as something fun that they do after school? Uh, as opposed to, say, for example, you know, the person who's just so driven to succeed and to improve and to be the best that they can be. Uh, and, you know, that drives them to succumb to the three twos that we that we talked about. Uh, what role does that play in injury prevention?
1: No, I think the mind is and the mindset are huge aspects. You know, I think it's tricky because I I don't know at a young age how how well, you know, you can really influence the mindset. I mean, I think you you try to, you know, Teach you know them to have fun, make make it about fun, not you know having tons of pressure on really young kids in practices and things like that. But I think the innate drive is is sort of tough to teach. I mean, some kids are just going to have it, and some aren't. And I, I'm not sure necessarily what you do uh, to change that. But again, I think the the main thing is not pushing so hard that it becomes adverse pressure. You know, we know that. 70% of kids drop out of sports by age 13 and pressure from parents and coaches is thought to be the number one reason from that. So yeah, if you have a kid that's really self-driven, you, kinda, you probably can let them go and you don't have to push. But these kids that, where it's, they're just doing it more for fun, I don't know that I would jeopardize that by pushing and focusing on winning and, and doing everything at all costs that early. Let them develop that as they get further along in the sport.
0: Yeah, I remember in high school, we always did some things that injected a lot of fun into our training. And in cross country, that was, uh, we had an annual tradition of, you know, one day a year, we would play capture the flag on an enormous field. Uh, that had trees and hills, so it was a, a much more dynamic than a typical capture-the-flag game. But that was our, our that was our practice that day, and that's all we did. And it was just a really fun way to get a break from running while at the same time building some different athletic skills and still getting in a lot of running. Uh, and then in college, we did similar things where uh, we had one workout called Pace Poker where we would run a loop of the campus, And our coach would record how long it took us to run that loop. And then we would break up into small teams of of three to five runners. And the goal of the workout was to run three more loops of the campus and try to make those loops as close to the time of the first loop as possible. And the team that was the closest wins. And the point of this run was not just to have some fun, but also to reinforce the importance of running easy because our coach would run with us for that first lap and he would purposely run it at a very easy effort. And he was, a, uh, you know, an older older guy you know he's probably maybe around 50 or 55 at the time and uh you know he wasn't running 630 645 a mile like some of the college guys that were on the team so it was a really good way to impress upon us the value of easy runs and not only that but having fun with our training and learning what an easy pace actually feels like not just at the beginning of a run but at the end of a run too
1: yeah, no, I think that's interesting. I I, I have never heard uh, that uh, training thing, but that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, and again, that, that's a perfect example of yeah, you make it fun, and uh, you know that that actually emphasizes all the you know the. The, not rest day, but sort of easy day and the variation. I mean, there's so much good of what you just described. And I'm sure there's, uh, you know, I'm not a coach, so I, I, I'm sure there's tons of examples like that. But I think that's kind of how you should approach it, especially when you're talking about, you know, 12 to maybe 16-year-olds that have so much else going on in life. Uh, if you can have some training sessions like that, I think that's really good.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you do have so much more going on in life. I remember in high school, you know, I was – I, I, I wanted to be the best runner that I could, but I also wanted to go hang out with my friends. I wanted to go to the school dances and see my girlfriend and do all those fun things that are part of the high school experience. And without taking my training as something that, you know, is more fun and is not, you know, the end all be all of my life purpose, it allowed me to you know, have fun and be a normal high school, uh, athlete, but also, um, hopefully that was one of the reasons why I stayed healthy for all four years.
1: Yeah. I would imagine it probably did play some role at least for sure. Uh, you know, like we were talking about, sometimes it's luck, but, uh, I think uh, it sounds like that it was a positive, uh, it, you know, that your training and your running was a positive in your athletic development. And I think that's what we want to see with kids.
0: Yeah, I was the type of person who had a lot of um, self-directed drive to improve. Uh, I didn't really get a lot of pressure from my family. Uh, I certainly didn't get any pressure from my friends. I probably got negative pressure <laughs> when it came to running. Um, but, it, you know, it was I think it was a scenario where it primed me for a long career of running, you know, to be a lifelong runner because I learned that um, I needed to Find that that inner drive. Find what really motivated me to run, and then you know, run for myself, not run because my parents wanted me to be a good athlete, not because my coach wanted me to, me to be number one on the team, but to run because I wanted to, because it was something that I enjoyed, that it was fun, that uh, I liked spending two hours every day doing. And uh, I'm so glad I had that experience. And I I think you know, when it comes to my kids, that's the experience that I would love for them to have. And uh, let's talk about that. Let's talk about really young kids. So right now I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and my my third is due this fall. So good Lord, what have I done? <laughs> now, now, as a coach, I wanna help them be great athletes if they wanna be. So, you know, what can parents like me do to help set their really young kids up for success in whatever sport that they choose later on in life? What are some, some habits or practices that, that you recommend?
1: Yeah, I, well, I think the first thing that I think is really important for parents is to realize that we want our kids to be healthy and active their entire lives. We want them, in this case, maybe running when they're adults and certainly you know, doing some sort of exercise. So we need to make it important for kids when they're young. So the first thing that I'd recommend as parents is we need to be good examples for our kids. They need to see us running or lifting weights or whatever it is we like to do. They need to see that we find exercise important and being physically active important maybe eating healthy and all that and if we're sitting on the couch eating potato chips watching tv after work kids are that's going to reinforce a negative message for kids and so even at the young ages you know they're not probably not going to run at two years old, but they still you're making an impression on them and showing the value of of physical activity and running to you, and so maybe they find it interesting. And then you in you know basically encourage them maybe to go with you, maybe just short little very slow runs around the neighborhood when they can do that kind of thing, things that are fun and that build a family bond. I think is just going to set the table, so to speak, uh, to get kids interested in it as they get older and develop more.
0: Well, I might be doing this just completely randomly, but apparently I'm doing a lot of things right because my, (laughs) my girls see me go running pretty much every day. They see my wife go running and they know that we both value exercise every day. And so it's funny. I'll be getting ready for a run, doing my dynamic warm-up in, you know, the front entranceway. And, you know, my my two-year-old will come over and try to do a bunch of lunges with me. Or my four-year-old will come over and try to do leg swings. You know, I, I have this fun video, uh, I think I put it on Instagram, but it's my four-year-old trying to do the butt kick running drill in our backyard. And it's just hilarious. I mean, obviously I'm not forcing my kids to do drills and strength work with me, but they want to participate. They think it's fun. And I think at this time in their lives, that's the perfect thing for them just to just to see it just to see us value it. And then hopefully that value will be instilled in them too.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that, and yeah, no, I think I was laughing because that just, um, I'm picturing a, a young kid trying to do that exercise, just how funny that would be to watch. But yeah, no, that's exactly what you want. You just want them uh, to find it fun. And yeah, if they want to just try it on their own, it reminds me of the, and I'm not necessarily promoting this, but you know, you see these videos of the you know people training for American Ninja Warrior, and you see their four-year-olds trying to do some of the same stuff. I think kids are naturally curious and in this case, it's a good thing because we're, they're curious about something that's going to become a healthy habit down the road.
0: Yeah, it's funny. My even my two year old is really into running. You know, she she wants to talk about running when we go for a walk. She is always like, "Daddy, run fast!" And you know, she just takes off down the sidewalk. And I have to you know go for a double session that day because you know, my my little kids are making me run another time. And my oldest, this is, this is a hilarious story. She was probably two and a half years old. We had just had dinner, and she said, Daddy, I want to go run. So I said, okay, let's go outside. And I ran with her down the street. We went into a park here in Denver. She ran, you know, maybe another four blocks. We did this little loop. All told, the next day I ran the same loop because I was curious. She ran and, and maybe walked about 20% of it over a mile, and she was two and a half years old, and I didn't I didn't push her to do this. It was just something that she wanted to do, because maybe she just needed to move. Maybe she wanted to emulate mom and dad, but I was just a happy coach and father in that moment. Yeah,
1: I think that's great. Uh, no, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't think anybody would be critical of that. I'm impressed uh, that somebody, you know, that age was, stood with it that long. I mean, even even if you're not running fast at all, a mile, that's a long way for a child that young. So good for her.
0: Earlier, we talked about building your foundation. And, you know, we can look at that in two different ways. You know, base training when it comes to your aerobic fitness, you're running, and then the type of moderate... Uh, technique oriented lifting that you might do in in middle school or high school uh, for your strength foundation. Now I'm wondering, are there any things that we can do with our little kids to ensure that they have an adequate foundation of general athleticism that will help them be better athletes in the future?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I don't know that there's an necessarily an easy answer to that. You know, uh, you know, people talk about, you know, getting them, you know, kids started and flexibility and stretching really early, even though runners are notoriously not flexible. And we, you and I talked about strength training earlier, but I don't know that there's necessarily, you know, the right program. I mean, I know a lot of people that, in fact, I know a lot of runners that literally never do anything but run, and they never have. Uh, You know, that's just, they're not interested in anything. So I don't know, nothing off the top of my head would make me say, hey, you know, an eight-year-old or 10-year-old needs to do X, Y, and Z. I mean, again, I think it's really more setting foundations of interest and and overall health. Try to get them interested in running if that's kind of where the Pursuit lies and then kind of adapt as you go based on what they want to do and and body issues and things like that
0: You know when I think about this issue, I always come back to playgrounds. I think playgrounds are So undervalued and you know, I'm fortunate that here in the city of Denver There are so many different playgrounds. We can walk to three different uh, Playgrounds from our house and this is like a laboratory for building athleticism and agility and coordination. And all the running that you do at a playground is great for for your aerobic fitness. And it's an, an environment that is fun. It's fun for the kids they play with each other they're run around they're jumping they're climbing on things they're they're lifting themselves up on things and for me as as both a parent and a coach I can really think of no better activity for a really young kid to do to prepare themselves to be an athlete in the future than just spending an hour on the playground a couple times a week uh, for me that is the ideal scenario.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there is a lot of thought. And in fact, the, the CDC puts this out a lot in the uh, Department of Health and Human Services about the value of letting kids just play. You know, get out with their friends and not necessarily in a structured sport, even though I mean, I'm okay with sports, but just let them find things to do that are fun because that is all kinds of movement patterns. And there's all kinds, you know, obviously being outdoors is good and away from the screens and being with their friends from a social development standpoint. And you're probably right, you know the, the playground emphasizes upper extremity and lower extremity, but not in ways that the kids won't enjoy it. So I I think you're probably onto something there,
0: right? You're not doing reps on the playground. You're not doing, well, you might be doing reps down the slide, but you know, you're not (laughs) getting on the monkey bars and, and trying to do as many pull-ups as you can. It's, it's just play. And it's, it's very physical play, which I really like. And, you know, my wife is really, she's a teacher and, She's really gung ho about play. You know, her specialty is you know around the kindergarten one one year. Uh, I'm sorry, first grade uh, age range, and for her, you know, she's all about you know let's give these kids as much unstructured free play as possible. Not only because it's good for their. Uh, you know, social emotional development, but also for their physical development, and we try to do this as much as we can here at home. You know, in our backyard, we have uh, four normal sized tires and a huge tractor tire tire that. You know, we climb on, we throw them around, we do all kinds of different things with them. We hung like this little trapeze bar off of a tree in our backyard so that our girls can, can climb on it and, you know, just play in a very physical way. And you know what? They love it. They spend more time with those outdoor toys than they do with all of their indoor toys combined, just because they can run, jump, scream, they can do things they can't do in the house. And, you know, I just you know, I I sit on the patio with a beer and I'm just like, this is exactly what they should be doing. And I feel really great about it. And I I hope that in the future, uh, it will serve them really well as, you know, potential future athletes.
1: No, I think that sounds great. Uh, Yeah. You never know kind of what changes, you know, because by the time that they're, High school, or probably even further than that, and they've gone into whatever sport they're going to do or whatever turns out. You never know what any individual thing contributes to what turned them into where they are. Then you'll wonder, you know, if they go into gymnastics or something like that, maybe the, you know, all that stuff played a role. Like you never know, but I think that that's, that's a great way to, again, get them interested in physical activity and and honestly, in ways that they're kids, they're going to have fun.
0: Right. I'm not, I'm never saying, all right, let's go out and exercise. Okay. It's time for our workout girls. You know, we're not, we're not doing that at all. And nor do I think you should.
1: No, I agree. I think that that typically, if you're pushing kids to do things that they don't want to do, that typically is not going to go nearly as well as encouraging the things by making them fun and they choose to do it. Absolutely.
0: Now, David, as we wrap up, um, I know that there are so many resources out there on managing, treating, and preventing injuries. Uh, so besides your book, of course, that's going to hurt. Uh, do you have any books or, or websites or other resources that you think uh, are beneficial for runners that will help them either get a better understanding of uh prevention or you know especially among the younger subset of runners uh resources that might really help them set themselves up for success later.
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's tricky. Uh you know, I'm a big believer honestly because I I spend so much time writing, you know, articles and recording videos and podcasts. So I'm a big believer in sort of online education so to speak, finding information that really helps the trick with that, and I think that there are some really, really good uh, sites you know, by athletic trainers and by physical therapists especially that do teach strengthening. They teach stretching. They te- teach exercises. And, and there's so many different ones, it's really hard to point out. But the, the trick is with anything on the internet, yeah, there's probably some that maybe aren't as good. So I think what I would do is if, if either as a high school age runner or the parents of young people is to check them out you know before you necessarily implement anything they talk about and not watch just one video but get you know go through the their youtube channel and watch five or ten of their videos and kind of get a sense of how they explain injury prevention how they explain stretching and strengthening and goal setting and training and if you get you know with a lot of this on the internet it's really about how well you understand the information, how well they explain it, and the relatability and the usability of that information. And I think if you kind of look at it that way, uh, there's there's really a ton of good resources in easy-to-understand language.
0: Right, and, and I'll say, too, that the resources on YouTube for strength training are really, really good at this point. So, you know, if you do have a younger person who's getting in the weight room to do some lifting, um... YouTube provides a really good resource for making sure that their form is really good and that their technique is on point. So they're not uh, setting themselves up for an injury just by lifting incorrectly. Uh, Now, David, you mentioned, you know, you write a lot of articles, you do videos, you have your own podcast. Uh, Where can we learn more about all of your work? Because, you know, I'm always interested in hearing about this topic from uh, someone with more of a medical background, such as yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think probably I'd send people to my home base where everything starts, which is my website, Uh Geier is G-E-I-E-R. And that's where you can find, obviously, a link uh, where I discuss my book, but, you know, the podcast and, and various videos uh, that I do, you know, I have a real focus on – basically sports and exercise injuries, injury prevention and injury treatments. And so some of the things that I write about or record videos for are, hey, this is the injury, this is how we make the diagnosis, this is how we treat it because a lot of people are dealing with injuries now. But then there's, a, I think, an equally important part of sports medicine Yeah, it's great if we can do surgery and it's great if we can treat injuries if they happen. That's sort of a necessity. But it's so much better if you can prevent injuries from happening in the first place. So I have a lot of information uh, that I share both in video form, podcast form, that type of thing. That's really about, hey, these are steps that you can take to do this sport or this type of exercise and not get hurt. And I think that's been a really uh, gratifying part of my sort of online work over the years.
0: Oh, I know. Focusing on prevention is so much easier than focusing on managing an existing injury. I would rather spend 15 minutes a day on prevention than have to take two weeks off of training to nurse an injury or constantly have to take a day or two off with chronic niggles and little aches and pains so um you know everyone listening here knows that injury prevention i think is it should be a top goal for every runner Uh, it enables so much more in your running it allows you to train more to run higher mileage to do more quality workouts and that's what's going to make you a faster runner in the long term so david thanks so much for being here
1: Oh, I really enjoyed it. This was really, really fun. I hope that uh, people got a lot of value out of it. Uh, I, I think this is great. And then uh, any way that uh, you know we can connect on running injuries and injury prevention in the future, I'd love to catch up.
0: Great. Thank you so much. I always love talking about prevention. So it was a real treat to speak with David about this topic, particularly for younger runners and kids. For me, I'd love to see my kids stay healthy, active, and hopefully athletic for as long as possible. And now I have a few more ideas on how I can do that. Also, if you haven't already, don't miss Strength Running's free injury prevention email series at strengthrunning.com prevention. There's a lot of useful information. We have case studies, what not to do in your training, Uh, We have example strength routines, and there's a lot more. And another thing that I'll send over is a digital book called The Little Black Book of Prevention and Recovery. A while back, I interviewed nine elite runners like... Uh, who do we have? Obstacle r- course racer, Amelia Boone, Olympian, Dathan Ritzenhine, uh, world warrior dash champ and ultramarathoner, Max King, and a bunch of others. It's, it's a great read for the running geeks out there who are really adamant about prevention or who just want to stay healthy. And you can get it all at strengthrunning.com slash prevention. All right. Thanks again for listening to the Strength Running Podcast. Until next time.